0: Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be ever-pleasing in your sight. You are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Human beings take around 650 million breaths in their lifetime, about 25,000 a day. How many of those are we aware? My Apple Watch rings once an hour with a reminder to breathe. Frankly, it's kind of annoying. What does it think I've been doing for the last hour? It doesn't give me a reminder to tell my heart to pump blood or to my intestines to digest food. Why does it suppose I've neglected my breath? I recently picked up James Nestor's book called Breath. It's about the positive benefits of breathing correctly. Most humans, he notes, breathe too shallowly, too hurriedly. The book is a deep dive into the science and history of breath. Nestor highlights the fact that the Homo sapiens species evolved over 250,000 years ago to use tools and language, and most tools and language, and of course, language being the most significant. And our actual anatomy changed to reflect this. Our faces got narrower and smaller, and our larynx, the organ in our throats that functions as a voice box, sank, making speech and modulations in speech easier, but breathing less efficient. We are, in his words, the worst breathers in the animal kingdom. My watch and Nestor agree, breathing well isn't natural to us. When the church claims that Jesus is the Messiah and full of the Holy Spirit, they are saying that Jesus was someone full of breath. The word for spirit is ruach or breath. Jesus was one who breathed deeply. He breathes in the air of his heavenly father and he breathes out mercy and forgiveness and sacrifice. Even at the end, his last exhalations were of a generous love. And the message of the church today is that Jesus's breath didn't dissipate when he died, but it gathered and swelled over those 50 days of Easter, so much so that it became a forceful wind that ripped through that room on the first morning of Pentecost, The breath of Christ is the air his disciples learned to breathe. Their lives were no longer their own, their breaths no longer their own. Paul says, we've gained the mind of Christ. On Pentecost, the church gains the lungs of Christ. And this day, we receive what we could call lessons on breathing. One cannot breathe in effectively until one has emptied one's lungs entirely. The spiritual life begins in emptiness, a stepping back, a withdrawal. In the Kabbalah, the text of Jewish mysticism, God creates the world, give rooms to the world by breathing in, in a way, contracting God's self to make space for others. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, went out into the desert where he was tempted. He emptied himself. You can only breathe deeply if you've learned to empty your lungs. And the exhale is actually more important for one's peace than the inhale. If someone is struggling with anxiety, The advice is to breathe in for five seconds and then to breathe out for seven. You've got to get the old air out, says Nestor. This doesn't come naturally. There's an emptiness that we feel within and we often try and fill it with the shallow breaths of drugs and sex and distraction and busyness. But all the while forgetting that emptiness is the throne of God. I wonder what you need to exhale from your life. What clutter, what bitterness, what sorrow or grief or relationship keeps you from being filled with the breath of God? We were made to inhale God's life. God's breath descends on humanity so that it can exhale its humanity and breathe in God's divinity you'll notice that as the blood is oxygenated, as you breathe in God's life, you'll find a compassion for all humanity and all sentient beings coming alive in you. The Spirit of God on that first Pentecost fell on all flesh. It even fell on unlikely flesh. The first disciples realized that the women and the children and the slaves, they too were filled with the breath of God. This wasn't just about Israel anymore. Jesus' breath connected them with all of life, not just with the life that looked like theirs. The spirit fell on Gentile flesh, which is to say it isn't a spirit merely for white flesh but for black and brown the spirit falls not just on christian flesh but on muslim and agnostic the spirit descends not just on hetero flesh but gay and trans flesh you are connected to all life all life shines with possibility and breath to breathe in god's life is to be at peace with all things there's actually a practice in Buddhism some of you may know of called tonglen that facilitates just what I'm speaking of. In this practice you're called to breathe out what is harmful and negative and to breathe in what is positive and what gives life. It's a practice that is intended to unite you with all of life. You connect to your grief to that which is within and within the whole world. You breathe it out on behalf of all life. And then in your next breath, you breathe in joy. Breathe out harshness in compassion. Breathe out worry in calm faith. Breathe out darkness in light. Breathe out self-doubt. Breathe in the love of Jesus. This is the rhythm of breath, which is the rhythm of faith. Oxygenizing the blood and the body and the earth. James Nestor finally hit the wall. He was exercising and dieting, but he kept having chronic respiratory conditions, severe bronchitis, and pneumonia. Along with this, severe stress, sleep apnea, and insomnia. He finally buckled and on doctor's orders entered a breathing class. Do you know there are these classes on breathing? On on the first day of class, he stumbles up upon the place and he writes this. The place looked like something out of Amneville. All paint-chipped walls, dusty windows, and menacing shadows cast by moonlight. He joined a room full of misfits. A guy with prisoner eyes, a stern-faced man with Jerry Lewis bangs, a blonde woman with an off-center bendy on her forehead. Nestor, a highly educated published journalist showing up to this community. What courage, what humility. Breathing class, I think it's a good image for church. We each carry so much we've carried so much from the last year. Sometimes we aren't aware of it all. It all just builds and builds within. The grief and the stress and the anticipation. And we've forgotten the simplest, most human practice of all. So I wonder, what is the breath of Christ trying to exhale from your life this morning? There are those moments when we sell ourselves short, when we block life out, when we say no to a new adventure or a new call or a new relationship. We've forgotten to inhale and we need sisters and brothers in the breathing class called church to remind us that we actually can deepen our capacity for life. There are, I learned, deep sea divers who've trained their lungs and can hold their breaths underwater for 10 to 11 minutes. In the same way, we each have such great spiritual capacity. And we have a liturgy that helps us. When we confess our sins to God and to one another, we merely tell God that we've grown too distracted to breathe in his life. Well, we breathe that out. Emptied out, we fill ourselves with God's word. We pray and then we exchange the peace. Breathing class has us to breathe that peace in. You might know that the word conspire is formed by the prefix con, meaning with, inspire, breath. To conspire with others is literally to breathe together. To learn how to breathe is to be a part of that related word, a conspiracy. This day in the church year, God hatches a holy conspiracy and unleashes Christ's holy breath on the world. We are in this class together, reminding each other to breathe. Breathe in, breathe out, Breathe together. Amen.